This is The Playbook. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, it's BYOQ. You bring the questions about anything, personal or professional, it doesn't matter. Bring the questions. We have the answers. Bring them on TikTok, Instagram, StreamYard, LinkedIn, every platform that we're on. We got tons of questions coming up. I'm going to start with the first one, Jake. What has been your single greatest challenge as a father? Uh, Well, I will tell you, it's probably the same for a lot. It's uh, practicing ending fear for my children and allowing them to learn for themselves. So, uh, you know, allowing them to make mistakes, allowing them uh, to have setbacks, failures uh, in their own lives, uh, even when you see them coming. So, uh, you know, I'm having so much fun. I'm here at Augusta, Georgia, by the way, Jake, as you are celebrating with your family, I'm celebrating in a different way with mine. I'm here uh, at Augusta and after training today, we'll be Back in the course, it is like none other. And if anyone wants to join us, uh, we had an extraordinary VIP barbecue on Wednesday and people drove and flew in. It was amazing. Uh, And now we're all enjoying the golf. Uh, But we do it every year and would love it. Let me take another question. They're loading up. Load up on the questions, everyone, uh, as they're coming in here. Uh, What marketing lessons can people learn from the masters? Uh, well, you know, they understand community, right? They know their frequency. Uh, and this community uh, is like the Vatican. It's a, an amazing community. People are religious about golf and they speak to, they frequently utilize uh, amplification methods uh, that uh, are the key to marketing success. And that's uh, people getting more value than they anticipated. Um, and it is the only sporting event that never disappoints. No matter what happens, it just doesn't disappoint. Uh, and what happens is anyone that comes to the Masters, they tell everyone you need to come to the Masters. So uh, they do a great job of providing more value than people uh, ask for. And therefore, people articulate that value to other people and it builds the mystique, the brand. Uh, the Masters, as far as sports bucket list, Jake. Uh, and everyone uh, is the number one top listed sporting event in the world uh, on bucket lists. Uh, so they must be marketing correctly. They must be able to to carry that value. Uh, so I'm going to take one more, Jake, and then are you going to have someone lined up there on uh, Clubhouse? I sure will. I sure will. When you're ready, Colleen will be on here to ask you a question. All right, perfect. Let me take another question here. Um, What's the most creative way to make money in 2023? Uh, For me, it's the middle-class media uh, of being able to provide content to the middle-class. So you don't uh, focus in on millions of people uh, with snapshots of information. Serve a middle-class for you, a thousand people. Uh, Serve every day. Um, And it's the most creative way to make money when you serve and provide value and, uh, you know, I have a methodology of four ambassadors a day. An ambassador is someone uh, who will tell other people, just like the masters, oh, you got to, you know, hire him to speak, go to his TV shows, his podcast, his free lives, free training, whatever it is. Uh, each day, one in person, one on the phone, one via email, and one via media. media. So a minimum of four people a day may not sound a lot. Um, but four ambassadors turn to eight, eight ambassadors turn to 16, 16 ambassadors turn to 32. And if you're building that type of aggregate exponentiality and acceleration in your community, 
then you'll know and be able to deliver value to that community to exceed what you asked for. And I think it's the most creative way uh, in 2023, building community, one ambassador at the time. All right, Jake, let's bring up uh, Colleen. Welcome to the clubhouse. What question do you have today? Good morning. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy holidays as well. Um, Dave, I know that you have been uh, consistent in studying the Sanskrit lessons, along with A Course in Miracles for many years. Um, why do you feel like with the consistency of reading it almost every day over those last few years, you see something different in the same lessons each time? Yeah, I think it's true about a lot of things, you know, and it's true about our activities when we learn to love our activities uh, and when we pay attention consistently and give intention consistently, it will tell us all its secrets. And so uh, information uh, aggregates, accelerates and compounds on itself as well. And so all of the different lessons that I've learned now give me a different perspective of the exact same sentence. And so now that I have more pieces and parts, and the reason I study history is number one, human nature never changes. So the more I understand human nature in history, uh, the more I can understand what's written today or what I write in the future or speak about, uh, and the better that I can do in that context. So. Uh, I do study the Bhagavad Gita. I study the Course in Miracles. I study most religious texts each day. Uh, and it changes my perspective uh, because it starts telling me all its secrets. And whether it's loving what you do as an activity or paying attention and intention to uh, history or podcasts or movies, uh, you will see things differently because you have changed. And remember, you can't see outside of you what you don't see inside of you. And that's why uh, I keep doing and reading and studying the same thing and getting more out of it because it's those secrets that make the difference in your life. And I encourage everyone to utilize uh, a methodology that's comfortable for you to find the secrets at what you say, think, do, believe, or feel. Uh, great question, Nick. I mean, Nick, Colleen, thank you. I will take another question online, okay, Jake? Sounds great. <laughs> Thank you for your approvals. All right. Very good. Uh, what's your advice for someone who wants to start their own podcast? Uh, you know, my first and most simple advice is to ask someone who has a successful podcast uh, for advice, for help. The second one is to get 10 episodes in the can, meaning produce 10 episodes. Uh, and the reason I say that is that if you have 10 episodes that are already done, you will learn a lot in those 10 episodes and you'll be able to publish them still or not, depending on you know what you learn by doing the 10 episodes. Also, uh, another thing happens is that you are automatically, and I think we're over 3 million podcasts now, which makes me laugh because I remember telling uh, Gary Vaynerchuk six years ago at the Super Bowl, uh, he wanted me to convert over my radio show to a podcast. I'm like, oh, there's too many podcasts. There's three, 200,000 or something at that time. Now there's over 3 million. But the most interesting thing is that if you have done 10 podcasts, 10 episodes, it puts you in the top 1%. That's how many people quit doing podcasts before they get to 10 episodes. So that's the best piece of advice that I can give you is find someone who has a podcast uh, that sits in the situation that you want to be in 
ask them for help and two put after receiving that help get 10 of them in the can uh get yourself into the top one percent of the three million uh very great question uh jake where should i take the next question from let's do it let's bring up a question here on clubhouse let's bring up gg if you want to unmute yourself and ask david a question welcome Yes, hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. So I have a curiosity. Like you are helping a lot of people, including me. And every time I email you, you actually respond. Um, how do you not feel taking advantage of, like you know, people being friends with you because of who you are, or what's your perspective on that? Well, first of all, you know, I'm a student in my calendar and my time. And so I have many mechanisms, modalities, and time itself in order to qualify or prioritize the people that feed me most or that I'm feeding most. And uh, I have, you know, I'll give, you know, one of a lot of people ask me for jobs. And so wh whether it's in person, on the phone, via email, or social media, a lot of people ask me each day, so many. And the way that I qualify the first process of who I can help is I tell them, hey, look, I'm more than happy uh, to set up an interview for you, but please, you know, mail me a, a paperclip. And I give out my address and I say, mail me a paperclip. And that will remind me because I get so many requests who you are and you'll be in the short stack of resumes. So paperclip and you know let let me know who you are and you'll be in the short stack of resumes for an interview most people never send the paper clip so this is a modality or a mechanism that i only am talking to people that are going to feed me that are truly interested truly interested i mean, i've had people fly in drive in obviously they are but you know when people are just sending out requests and you know, you don't know if you're truly their first choice, their desire that they must be what they can be. But if they go through the time to mail me a paperclip, uh, then I know that they're worth my time. I also have a 520 rule, as you know, Gigi, I will give anyone five minutes for an overview to understand the opportunities, options, and touches of favor between us. And then I distribute them to either the personal or the professional people closest to me or inside my own company or family. And then I distribute it outside as well because I love to have the overlap agreement uh, to know and to find and to search the people that can best facilitate that. And then I teach prioritization within the context of getting so many opportunities, options, and touches of favor. Those are just a few of the ways, you know, when you are utilizing your time intentionally and have mechanisms and modalities like a 520 rule like a paperclip rule and i probably have a hundred different ones over the last 35 years that i've created so that i can be of service or value to thousands of people a day and be personally right holding people in gratitude in forgiveness accountability and inspiration and so there's so many ways uh, to do so. And that's why mentorship is so important. I, most of the modalities are an amalgamation or an adaptation to something one of my mentors taught me that fits my personality and my values. So the 520 rule may not be possible or probable or even something you want to do. Maybe it's a 20 hour rule or maybe it's no rule, but being able to understand that um, 
in, in fit in mentorship. It, it's so important. That's why we've been doing these free Friday trainings, you know, for so long. And I appreciate you and everything you do for the community. Thank you, G, for coming on and asking that great question. Thank you. As always, amazing. <laughs> You're amazing. All right, Jake, reset the room. We are at the first quarter here on Bring Your Own Question Friday. Let's make sure everyone's inviting people into the room. Uh, and uh, if anyone hasn't, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to be back on on Clubhouse, at, but I know we'll, if we are, it will be at 6 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, and we love this community. So I'm, I'm hoping that Elite, that Amelia is right and they're going to stream us into the breakfast of champions. Uh, that's kind of cool. But anyway, uh, we will be on Twitter spaces. I know we're on the webinar every Friday, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, we're everywhere. Uh, and we love doing this. So go ahead, Jake, reset the room. You got it. We'll do it, Dave. Just to show how amazing of a community this is. After you just mentioned the paperclip, just got about six messages of people asking for your address to send the paperclip. So everyone, if you want to... Well, have them, email, have them email me, if you don't mind. Perfect, yeah. Because I would like to know, I'd like to know who, who they are, so I'll know to give the, the address. So if they email me, I'll personally be able to get that. You got it. Yeah, and David's email for everyone on here is david at dmelzer.com. David at dmelzer.com. Feel free to email him. Uh, yeah, with the paperclip or any of his free trainings or guides or even a free book. And of course, he'll pay for shipping as well. So everyone in here, just feel free to email David on that end. But I will quickly reset the room here. Happy Friday, everyone. It is April 7th, 7, 16 a.m. Pacific time. This is David Meltzer's hour here on the Breakfast with Champions. Dave's been doing free Friday training for over 23 years. Today's topic is BYOQ. So you bring any question that you'd like. And Dave is happy to answer it. If you have a question you'd like to ask here live on Clubhouse, feel free to raise your hand or back channel me and we will aim to bring you up. So let's also take a second here. Let's share the room, continue to share the room. You can do that at the bottom. There's a square with an arrow. Share it on your text messages. Share it on Clubhouse here, of course, and then any of your favorite social media platforms. So Dave, I'll pass it back off to you. And then when you're ready, we'll take a question on TikTok and then some questions back here on Clubhouse. Yes. Uh, just a real couple quick ones I'm going to take here. Do you organize any events or meetups in the UK or anywhere in Europe? Yes. I will be in Scotland doing a meetup in Scotland. I will be in Israel. I will be in Rome. I will be uh, th th this summer coming up. So email me. I have a whole list of meetups. Every city I go in, including Augusta, Georgia, every city I go to, I do a meetup and uh, they're getting bigger and better. So I would love to have more people there. And uh, we also have events. Um, Canada will be there as well. Uh, but UK will be and in Europe uh, this summer. I don't know the exact dates, uh, but go ahead, email me, get that uh, on your list. Thank you. Um, I love this. Best lesson you've learned from playing golf. I, I think golf is a great life lesson in itself. Uh, the greatest lesson I've learned is about practice. Uh, because golf isn't necessarily uh, a sport in the sense of great athleticism is necessary to be a golfer. It's more like darts and pool that you can just have a great skill and great knowledge and great desire and be the best in the world. And so how do those people aggregate, accelerate and compound the skills and knowledge and the desire to be the best? 
and it's through the practice that they have, the daily practice that they have, uh, the way they practice with attention and intention. And so uh, the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential is best illustrated in golf and that you can, for example, practice 30 minutes a day and be exponentially better than somebody that plays golf three hours or six hours on a weekend, uh, way better. And so the way that the conscious, subconscious, and unconscious work together to aggregate, to compound and accelerate the skills, knowledge, and desire uh, is a lesson I learned through golf um, and see the difference when I'm not practicing compared to what I'm practicing and then how I'm practicing. It's hard enough for most people to practice anything because the simple things to do are unfortunately simple not to do. Uh, but more importantly, uh, it's how you practice if you're able and capable of doing something for a minimum amount of time every day, whether it's your health, spending time with your family, financial activity you get paid for, planned, unplanned, sleep, whatever it may be, or golf, or tennis, or football, doesn't matter. It's the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, and it's every single day creates the empty mile, not the extra mile. You know, those people that give six hours on a Saturday and brag about it, look, you're going to utilize the extra mile to justify why you're not where you're at. You're going to live your life like a tube, rolling a boulder to the top of the hill every Saturday just to have it roll back down and start at the same place the next Saturday. Learn to be consistent and persistent in the pursuit of uh, your potential. Thank you, everyone, for all these questions. I'm going to grab another one, Jake, because I just have so many online. And then uh, will you be good with somebody on Clubhouse? Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right, cool. Um, this one is, what are your daily non-negotiables and how do you stay consistent? Tying into the last question, uh, you know, my non-negotiables are the first priority that I attach the dependent variable of time onto. So being consistent about spending a minimum of an hour a day on my health, a minimum of 30 minutes with my wife, 30 minutes with my son, two minutes with my three daughters and one minute with my mom, minimum, right? I've been spending hours and hours with my family this week, uh, but I still spend over an hour on my health. And then I still spend a minimum of time studying my time of the activity I get paid for and not paid for, of the activity that's planned and unplanned, of my sleep. All of those things are consistent every day. And the way that I stay consistent is understanding a mindset, a heart set, and a handset that each day, if I hung out high on my mom's couch, broke, blaming everybody, that's still an activity. Why not pick activities, plan activities, utilize my time on those activities with lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude aligned with where I want to be in the future and keep my mind open by learning lessons from what I've done to give a meaning that helps me accelerate and grow into the future. Utilizing that, this, what I call, uh, you know, five daily practices to identify fear and prioritize your day gives you the antidote to procrastination and feeling overwhelmed. Two of the greatest fears of resistant creating, creating resistance to the activities that will get you to where you want to be or better. Uh, and so, you know, this is very important to start with your non-negotiables 
because it will make the most significant impact on your life. You know, for me, it's two hours and 17 minutes a day of non-negotiable. That leaves almost 22 hours a day to get everything else done. And if you're an eight hour sleeper, then minus that off and it gives you 14 hours a day. But most people don't get the two hours and 17 minutes every day of their non-negotiables, let alone maximizing the eight hours of sleep, let alone maximizing the other 14 hours to be productive, accessible and gracious in a trajectory of where you think you want to be. So know your non-negotiables and include in the non-negotiables being a student of your calendar to study the rest of the 22 hours or study sleep and the other 14 hours, whichever way. The oldest and most consistent coach and mentor that I have is I have had a sleep coach for 17 years. I've had a meditation coach for 17 years. Uh, these two things are incorporated into my non-negotiable. So, uh, you know, great, great questions. Jake, who's up next on Clubhouse? Perfect. Thank you, Dave, for that answer and everyone for asking these incredible questions. Let's bring up Sarah Bronson here on Clubhouse. Sarah, if you can unmute yourself and welcome to the room. David, I love, love, love the reminder of the non-negotiables. That is a challenge I've been having lately, so I'm going to take that with me this week. But I also wonder, you speak a lot about your sleep coach, and I'm wondering if there's tips or things that you have learned through your sleep coach that you can share with us and how do you how do you manage your sleep both in the course of your normal day but you're also traveling a lot and so you're in different time zones and different activities going on in your life can you share some tips or things that you've learned along the way that help get a better night's sleep it is something that i continually struggle with yeah well first of all look at sleep as a practice just like playing golf if you're not practicing sleep and being intentional about your sleep, you're not practicing or being intentional of about a third of your life. 26 years on average in someone's life, they sleep. Imagine the difference in my life that it makes by being the best sleeper that I can be. Uh, because two things come from sleep. One is recovery. And so that's one of the objectives of my intentions of how I sleep is to make sure that I plateau the next day, that I'm more recovered than I was the day before. Most people go to bed like you and they wake up more tired, more stressed. That doesn't make any sense. I always say, if I took you out to dinner, Sarah, and we ate for three hours and drank for three hours and we walked out of the restaurant and you looked at me and say, I'm starving, I would think there was something wrong with the meal, the way that we ate or the food that we ate. But yet most of the people on earth go to bed every night and they wake up more tired than when they went to bed. That doesn't make sense. And so not only are we intentional with recovery, but it's also access. And in order to access, we need to have our mind, our body and soul, not only in a position to recover, but we have to be in an accessible position. So things that will put us there, my number one tip is having an unwinding routine. And I know, Amelia uh, laughed at me for years and, you know, called bullshit on my unwinding routine. And now she will tell you that it is a big impact uh, characteristic or trait or, or consistent behavior of hers. So an unwinding routine is no matter where I am, I try to stay, unless we flip the clock, I try to stay as close to 9 p.m. Pacific time 
to make sure that I'm unwinding. No stress, no scary movies, no uh, arguments, obviously no drugs, alcohol, caffeine, uh, but to put myself in a position to be accessible by unwinding appropriately, for me, 67 degrees, uh, certain type of pillow, certain type of blanket, weight and temperature. Uh, cer certainly, I'm intentional about every aspect. No emails, no text messages after 9 p.m. Pacific time. All of these things allow me to plateau and grow comparatively to most people on Earth, giving me a huge advantage on energy and productivity and accessibility and gratitude. So uh, if anybody wants uh, the tips on the unwinding routine and sleep, I'm more than happy to share them as everything else, right? It's just david at dmeltzer.com. Change a third of your life by being intentional about your sleep. If you can't afford a mentor, I have a mentoring sheet for you, uh, which will cover about 80% of the things that I use and have used for 17 years my sleep coach for. The other parts are about, you know, what do you do when you spend 36 hours in Dubai, 36 hours in Mexico City, and have a Friday 10 a.m. meeting uh, and are leaving, you know, Sunday night to Friday to make that meeting in Los Angeles. That's, you know, if that's where your productivity and activity lies in a lifestyle like I lead, then you can use a sleep coach for sideline coaching. But the majority of people on earth can take this sheet and change their lives. And just by having an unwinding routine, uh, you will find that you will wake up in the morning at a higher level than when you went to bed each day. And it will aggregate, compound, and accelerate your life at an unbelievable quantitative way. It's amazing. Sarah, thank you for asking about sleep. Obviously, very important uh, in what I do every single day. And uh, please email me, david at dmelzer. I'll give you the, the coaching sheet that I have, david at dmelzer.com. Okay? Awesome. Jake, it is the halfway point. It's like the Super Bowl. It's halftime. So either you give us a halftime show, singing, dancing, rapping, uh, or tell me where to go. Reset the room, though. All questions all over. Uh, why won't I allow myself to do the work to lose weight? Uh, when we aren't doing the work to lose weight, it's an ego-based consciousness. And so uh, we have to look at our relationship to food and understand where our fear lies uh, and that fear is supported by an ego-based consciousness. So do we have a need, uh, you know, to be separate, inferior, superior? Do we have a need to be anxious, worried? Uh, what is that relationship with food? Um, and so it, this is something that I'm still practicing and I've at least identified the scarce relationship that I have with food that there won't be enough. So when I grew up with six kids and a single mom and you know was conditioned, uh, for example, that the good stuff or the expensive stuff there wasn't ever enough of, and then therefore uh, I would eat it fast and I'd eat too much of it. And, uh, you know, leaving my plate uh, empty, right? Uh, finishing everything. So, I, you know, all these different issues for me with weight, portion control, speed of eating, it's not even type of food. You know, I'll, over, I'll go to the soup plantation and take in 5,000 calories and wonder why, why did I gain weight? I went to the soup plantation, I'm eating healthy. Well, no, when you eat that much, uh, it doesn't matter <laughs> what you're eating. So 
Um, I always say, let's identify uh, the fear uh, of the past uh, and your relationship to food. And then let's see what ego-based consciousness need that you have uh, that is creating the difficulty in the consistent, persistent pursuit of weight loss. Uh, one other aspect of weight loss that people have problems with is that they don't see the results. So one of the things I try to teach people and try to practice myself is, you know, especially as you get over 35, 40, you're going to start on average gaining five pounds a year on average. And so if you're able to uh, lose a half a pound a month, which is one eighth of a pound a week, if you're if, if that's your objective each year you you will lose six pounds plus the other five pounds that you didn't gain so it'll be a net 11 pound difference in one year and so you'll get to a point through this process to facilitate uh the uh the improvement where pretty soon you'll have to start eating more because all it takes is one, two, or three years at the most of that net 11 to make a significant impact. And as you know, to lose an eighth of a pound uh, is not difficult. Uh, it's not as challenging, uh, but you will always have a struggle until you process and develop the relationship with, with food that you want and identify the fear that you have in the supporting ego-based consciousness. Uh, and my son's looking at me right now, if you see me, He's looking at me going, you fat hypocrite. <laughs> he saw me overeat last night uh, at the Masters. We were eating uh, non-healthy food. We did our best with a pretzel and chicken wings. Anyway, moderation in all things except for poison. Okay, very good. Jake, do you want me to take another one online? Or do you want me to, uh, what, what do you want me to do? Let's, hey, let's take a question from, uh, from TikTok. I can read it off to you here. Okay, go ahead. The question's from Henry and is, how do you create your own sunshine when it's a bad day? Well, there are no bad days, brother. So uh, the sunshine is in the paradigm shift of what you're connected to and through. So with faith, faith of being protected and promoted at all times, there's always sunshine. What I want you to focus in on is what are you doing to interfere with it? Where are your clouds? Because if you don't have sunshine in your life, you're blocking it and you're blocking it with clouds. And those clouds are usually fear of the past or fear of the future based regret or guilt or anxiety or worry. And what we can figure out as we did with our relationship with food, where those clouds are, then instead of trying to outlogic it, overcome it, resist it, we can stop instead. No lying to it, manipulating, cheating it. We can simply stop. Breathe through our nose, out through our mouth, clear the clouds, live at ease and find the sunshine, find the light, find the love, find the lessons, and then roll into the shine, roll into the light for your day in a trajectory of where you think you want to be. There is no cloudy days. There's only clouds that you have created. And so let's figure out what we're doing to create the clouds so we can allow the sun to shine through with the light, the love, and the lessons that the sun brings. And so there are no bad days. You should be uh, able to practice ending or dissipating the clouds by stopping, dropping, and rolling. You should be able to shift a paradigm. Joe, Joe's calling me Nick. Can you call him? 
So sorry about that. Um, um, so when you can shift a paradigm to know that there's a unified sun, a unified sun that is a system uh, of abundance, of infinite light, and it loves you more than your mom, it protects you, it promotes you at all times. So when we don't see the light, when we don't see the sunshine, focus your attention and intention on the clouds and figure out by stopping, not trying to go over them, under them, through them, around them, logic and reason them, just simply stop and breathe until you can see the light. Get to ease and then remind, remember and recollect what it is you want today that sunshine, who you can help that will provide more and who can help you. And then how best to utilize that sun in your best trajectory. Uh, very key component of uh, perspective. You will always get clouds every day, minutes and moments of clouds every single day, but there shouldn't be days, weeks, months, or years of all clouds. You should be able to stop, drop, and roll. All right. That is a great question, Jake. Now, where do you want me to go next? Uh, Dave, why don't you take a question online? By the way, Aideen sent a, a great comment. She said, a great Scandinavian saying, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Scandinavian as well. Uh, perfect. All right. Um, people are, Derek uh, is thanking us. Let me see here. This is a, a question I get often. How do you overcome the imposter syndrome and the ongoing feeling that I'm not good enough in every aspect of my life? Well, I would start with the mantra, I am. I am happy, I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am worthy, whatever it is you are. And then let's figure out what you're doing to interfere with it that's making you feel like an imposter. And let's start with meanings of the past. Let's start with defining moments and the meaning you give to the past. Let's start with the void shortages and obstacles in your past. And let's change the meaning, change the way we look at our past and your past will change. Give a different meaning to it in the trajectory of what you want today, who you can help, who can help you, how to get it done, prioritizing accordingly and applying our why by identifying the clouds. And so if you want to overcome the imposter syndrome, then let's start with a mantra that says what you are already, because you're part and parcel to the omniscient, all-powerful, infinite, abundant, unified system of thought that loves you, protects you, and promotes you more than your mom. And that will help you every day overcome the illusion that you're not enough, the illusion that you're an imposter. Because anyone that has faith the majority of the day, anyone that has faith the majority of the day will feel real. Those who allow themselves to have days, weeks, months, and years of clouds will never feel worthy. My mantra in the morning is I'm happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? And when I go to bed, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, and I'm worthy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Perfect. So here we go. What are your top three investments with little amount of income? Well, the top one is itself, 
right? But I don't make any investments, including in myself. My second investment is in others. Uh, so I don't make those investments without knowing my timing and risk tolerance, though. Even on people, even on myself and even on others. If you don't know your timing and risk tolerance, you're not ready to invest. You will never be disappointed if you are aligning your timing and risk tolerance with the investment that you make in yourself or in others. Now, outside of yourself and others, I'll give my third one, which is any secured asset that you can borrow against to hedge taxes. So any secured asset like real estate, IULs, gold, silver, any secured asset that you can borrow against instantaneously that has liquidity uh, is a great uh, investment aligned with my timing and risk tolerance. That's the ones aligned with mine. Me, people around me, most important to me, and secured assets that I can borrow against in an instant, completely liquid, uh, to take and hedge tax and provide security and opportunity when things are oversold. So just some uh, of advice there. Uh, Jake, why don't you reset the room before we bring Zach up? David, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. How are you? <laughs> good, good. Thank you for having me on. Um, I just, first of all, I want to say thank you for all that you do uh, in here and out and in the group. You know, I've just started being more consistent with following you and the daily practices. So not 100% there yet, but definitely getting better. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you. Um, I just want to ask, you know, what advice or words do you have for someone that you know, we tend to compare or think of put timelines on things that are outside of our own. So when it comes to focusing on our goals, our mission and our own timeline, rather than trying to have, you know, hard dates or by others timelines, what words do you have that you could touch on that? You know, this is a great question. Um, so here's the thing about timelines is that, you know, I talk about uh, not attaching our emotions to an outcome, uh, but when we are making decisions about our activities, remember that we live in the man-made construct of time. So when we bind ourselves to the man-made construct of time, so for example, payments, uh, right, mortgages, uh, any type of activity that binds us to time, as long as we're conscious about the fact that you know, we are making a commitment that is a resistant, scarce uh, base commitment because it has inherently in it a timeline. Um, but what we don't want to do is to accumulate too many things that have attached to a timeline. And we definitely don't want to attach our emotions to the timeline itself. We want to attach our emotions to the daily practices, to the past in the meaning of the past, and of course, not limiting our own self-imagery for our future. And so what I want people to do when they, you know, I tell them, you know, take inventory uh, of your skills, your knowledge, and your desire, take inventory of your timing and risk tolerance. Uh, we have to be pragmatic of take inventory of how many time constraints that we are signing up for and where beforehand we are going to place our emotions 
according to the realistic time frame of a 30-year mortgage or of a payment to go to college or some other timeline you know, to graduate or whatever it may be. And so I think it's very healthy to take inventory of our timelines and make sure that we're not attaching our emotions to the timeline. We're attaching our emotions to exceeding the timeline by knowing what we want today in a trajectory towards that timeline, who we can help and who can help us, how best with the lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude in the activities that we're going to utilize every single day in that tra trajectory, giving the meaning of the past and not limiting ourselves with self-imagery for the future to prioritize the inventory of timelines that we've aggregated for ourselves and minimize the amount of emotional resistance that timelines create because the minute you have a timeline inherent in a timeline is resistant because the minute the timeline starts, you have less time and you're not to the end yet. And those two dependent variables will create resistance when you are time ticking down and you haven't achieved the outcome uh, of, you know, full graduation, full payment, wh whatever you've attached or aggregated that inventory of timelines. So, uh, the first step is take inventory of it to take inventory of where you're going to place your emotions and make sure that you haven't overcommitted to timelines that may create more resistance than productivity, accessibility, and gratitude. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really like how you mentioned just exceeding the timeline in general rather than, you know, confining yourself to what it actually is. Um, so thank you for that. And just to everyone else out there, congratulations. Got another chance today if you're listening to this, and I hope we make the most of it. Thanks. Yes, congratulations, everyone. You have another chance. The minute you woke up, you got another chance. Congratulations. What a blessing uh, that is for sure. All right, question. Best branding tip that will help personal brands differentiate themselves from others? Well, there's only one thing that differentiates yourself from others. And that's you. And guess what? You know you better than anybody else. And no matter what, 10% of all people that come into contact with you are going to be at your frequency and they're going to love you no matter what. And 10% of the people, no matter what, will hate you because of your frequency. But by building your community, your brand consistently every day, persistently without quit, in the pursuit of building a community of like-minded frequency people, you will aggregate, accelerate, and compound the other 80% into your brand or your community. And if you continue to provide more value than you're asking for, your brand will grow, aggregate, compound, and accelerate beyond measure because the size, scope, and scale of our accessibility is exponential to no other time on earth because it's global in its nature and it's billions of people. But it won't happen unless you take inventory of self. The self that I take inventory in order to effectuate the differentiator of me being a fingerprint, a unique fingerprint on this earth is what are my skills? What is my knowledge and who is my knowledge? And what is my desire? A combination of skills, knowledge of what and who, and desire equals your essence. 
It is your frequency that is amplified from those four things, not three things. It is amplified. And so if you want to brand you as a different frequency, then know your frequency. And it's guaranteed, just like your fingerprint, to be the only frequency on earth. And it will be guaranteed that certain numbers of people will resonate with it. Certain number of people won't resonate with it. And the majority of the people, through consistent, persistent pursuit, will learn to love you. And it will tell them all your secrets. And so will you. What a great question. Hello, good morning. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, David. Yes, I have a question. Um, I, when I came on here, and I just, I just want to just kind of lay out um, my journey with you, David, is, um, you know, hearing you speak and really just laying your authentic self in terms of the journey you're on of being a kind of like a, a bit of a bullshitter, sorry for the swearing, um, and the transformation and being made accountable by your wife. Um, you know, I remember just thinking, you know, you're offering this book and you're just being so generous and I just, you know, is this true? Is this real? And so I, you know, I took advantage of that, took the free book and when you did offer the five minute conversation, um, I always point out that we actually did speak for longer, um, you know, made that connection with you and I, you know, and, it, and I really feel it's authentic and genuine and I'm so, um, you know, I, I just, you know, feel blessed to be in your circle. My question is for you is like, you know, in the maintenance of relationships um you know what how do you operate in that because for example now just say you change your time slot and not everyone can tap in um with you going forward like how do you maintain those relationships how do you build on those relationships and how do you take the next sphere thank you so much and um i'm looking forward to being part of a, a continued relationship with you. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's several different things is one, one, do, how do you build a community, which we talked about, you know, providing more value than you're asking for by being able to articulate it and also figuring out systems, modalities and methodologies in order to effectuate building that community by being productive, accessible, and gracious. And I try my best to be productive, accessible, and gracious by building relationships, but then the question lies, which you're asking today, how do we manage and develop all these relationships when everything's changing all the time? And so for me, it's understanding one, the prioritization of relationships of what can I do today and who can I get to help, either me or someone else. So when building a community of people who want to help each other and know people who can help each other, it enables me to be able to effectuate maintaining and developing relationships with people like you who feed me and who I'm able to feed by feeding you. And so understanding uh, through a system of prioritization of options, opportunities, and touches of favor, and then distribution, and then prioritization, and then execution. And whether that be me or the people around me, my family, company, friends, associates, or outside relationships, who I've uh, maintained or grew in order to effectuate providing more value than you're asking for. And then to that, they continue to build relationships as well. And this entire frequency is your neighborhood. This entire group of a collective, uh, of a collective consciousness uh, exponentially aggregates and accelerates to provide even more value. 
So I think the next step is you learn to build relationships like I have is to create systems through methodologies and different mediums in order to continue to manage and develop the relationships, including, by the way, one of the key components is to learn how to let some people fall away that are bleeding you or even fire those people from your life. Because there are people that will never, right, not just frequency, but never do the work in order to effectuate the value. And they're just going to utilize blame, shame, and justification to describe or to justify why they're not where they want to be. And you'll end up being the target of that. So it's very valuable for efficiency to let people who bleed you or bleed others fall away or fire them as much as it is to manage and develop the vision positively as well. So I use that great chain of feeding in order to prioritize as such. Uh, amazing. Let's all try to build communities around us, know our brand, build a community of people who want to help you and you know people who can help. And I promise you that aggregate, that consciousness, that collective will exponentially allow you to be successful in the trajectory of where you want to be or even better. Jake, we have time for one more. What is greed? We all talk about greed, but would never think of ourselves as greedy. Well, greed is scarcity. There, there's a saying that I, that I have, which is mine, me, and my are anchors. Mine, me, and my are anchors. There's an ancient story. We started off with Colleen asking about why I study history and human nature. There's an ancient story of some fishermen who get drunk at night and they decide they want to row their boat over to the other island. So they jump in the boat and they row literally all night. And as the sun comes up, they're in the exact same spot that they were. Why? Because the boat was anchored. And they couldn't see at night the boat was anchored. So if you want to roll the boulder to the top of the hill, if you want to live in greed and scarcity, in a world of not enough or even just enough, where you're buying things you don't need to impress people you don't like, keep on rowing every single day. And when the day comes from night again, you'll be in the same exact spot. Because those people who live in the world of not enough, they'll never be enough. Those people who were live in a world of just enough, will just have the me, the mine, and the, the, the my anchoring them to the same spot, no matter how much effort they give. Your me, your mine, and your my are anchors that are based in scarcity and greed. But if you can live in a world of more than enough of everything, in an omniscient, all-powerful, abundant, infinite world, a unified world of system of thought that is protecting and promoting you and loving you and giving you the lessons and the light to be more, to live more, to live in a value-add world, not a zero-sum game of scarcity and greed, I promise you, there'll be more than enough of everything and everyone for you, through you, and with you. All right, Jakey Bakey, we made it. We're at the goal line. It's almost 11 o'clock Eastern time, 8 a.m. Pacific time. If anybody needs me, I will be giving my phone to somebody else because I am going into the Masters. Look for me on TV. I'm the guy in the golf shirt. All right. We'll see you guys soon. Remember, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self. If you want any of my exercises, my gods, or especially my book, I will sign it, send it to you, pay for shipping. 
please email me, david at dmeltzer.com to find out where to find me here or other places next week. We always have the replays as well. Thank you so much.